Ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding. The voting block that's fucking responsible for the fact that nothing has been done for 20 years is now scolding their feeble bitch parliamentarians about the fact that they have followed their orders and not done anything for 20 years. Fuck off, farmers. Fucking idiots. Anyway, fuck you, farmers. Stupid fucking farmers. No, fuck off, farmers. We don't need your effective internet to compete in the 21st century agribusiness. <laughs> that was my farmers a stupid voice. I'm not going to swear at the farmers anymore. You know, I feel sorry for the farmers. Must be difficult being so inveterately fucking stupid all the fucking time. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the iceberg's only dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what a feast for tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, everyone their own despise, remember when the world was wise, we know, no, 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 no. Good morning. This... Vietnam. <laughs> uh, there goes my stride. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning or evening. This is Weakness for Bleakness. I am Darcy Moran and sitting to my left is my good friend Kieran Stevenson. Hello, Kieran. Hello, Darcy. How are you today? Feeling a distinct weakness for bleakness today, Kieran. Mm. You were sick last week. I was very sick last week. <laughs> Talk about weakness for bleakness. <laughs> oh, I was so sick last week. It was horrible. And I don't have sick pay. So to the people I consequently infected at work stop voting liberal (laughs) (laughs) awesome Um, you've got some headlines for us yes (laughs) let's start it off all right so our first one uh i didn't write down what publication this is from i apologize new protest regulations labeled a fundamental attack on democracy will start in new south wales from july 1st so Uh, there's this crazy new law that allows any government official of any rank to disperse any crowd for any reason on crown land. Crown land being almost all of the land. Being the land, yeah. Yeah, all public land. For anyone who's not a a, a local listener, that's all public land. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the Queen's personal land. (laughs) It's literally any public space is Crown land. Yeah. If you want to protest something, odds are that it's going to be on Crown land. And that's why this is a problem. There's one exemption for people attending a religious ceremony in a cemetery. Uh, I'm glad the police can't beat you up while you're grieving your (laughs) mother's death, but that is a wow. good a good one. Yeah, but basically it just allows any bureaucrat like your fucking council librarian to disperse a protest for example. Yeah. Uh, not sure what else they could possibly be talking about. That seems obvious to me uh, that they're aiming at protesting stuff, but yeah. Uh, do we, do do we know if 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 this considers police officers themselves to be bureaucratic entities? 
Uh, I don't know personally. I'm sure that's been uh, discussed or whatever. Um, you know what? I'm not sure. It could be interesting to find that out. It could be. Not that it would be like a necessary increase in power or anything. Yeah. <laughs> but but that could change it considerably because the, they could conceivably mm. be initiative-based police who don't no longer require complaints to be made and, yeah. and can just fly around prosecuting people. <laughs> yeah, we're one step closer to Judge Dredd. increasingly irrelevant uh, magistrates and lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the way to take the sting out of this one is for, uh, you know, some minor water official or something to start showing up at Parliament every day and dispersing parliament well parliament is crown land and yeah and they are gathering it's only a metaphorical funeral mm. <laughs> um, i don't think that'd be enough to to sustain an objection yeah crucially because it's not religious by law the idiots have talked themselves into a corner i'm pretty sure you can't disperse government mandated uh groups so that plan wouldn't work but yeah but you could annoy them still you could hire male strippers and send them in and yeah. say, just, you know, police strippers. That'd be ineffective. That'd get rid of the hard right of the Liberal Party. Oh, my God. This is how we solve the problem is we just flood the parliament of every conservative government with <laughs> just homosexuality. Oh. And either bring them out of their shells, which I suspect is the case for probably about 60% of the rapidly anti-homosexual uh, government people... Or else scare them off. Hmm. It's good. I don't mm. want to pursue it too far, lest we accidentally become homophobic. Yes. But it's <laughs> yeah, a tempting a thought. Risk. This is, slightly seriously though, this is not a huge surprise for me. No, right? it's not Authoritarianism surprising. has been on the rise since Howard took over, basically. Mm. Um, the Labour Party have been guilty of it as well. Yep. It's not just the Liberals. No. And increasingly we've been we've been seeing what was defended by the right during the Cold War as mm. being like the inalienable sacred treasures of western civilization of which the defense thereof is the entire point of our being. Yeah. Suddenly just become these incredibly inconvenient nuisances that get in the way yeah. of making money, which it turns out is the real point of Western yeah, civilization. That's the irony. That's <laughs> the, what the insane nuclear weapon brinksmanship of the Cold War was about. Not your right to free speech and free assembly, because both of those things are. Soon as the Soviets oh, collapse, yeah. like, well, we don't need that propaganda point anymore. <laughs> Fucking shove that in the hole. Yeah, 100%. Um,. Dutton, of course, represents the living avatar of authoritarianism at the moment. So this is very much in line with uh, every piece of news, every piece of disappointing news that comes out. Oh, yeah. About old Duto, the Irish jack-o'-lantern. The Irish like fucking jack-o'-lantern. His yes. wick is, is still burning. Uh, I haven't seen any figures from Get Up since they launched their uh, campaign against him, but mm. it's really uphill because the surviving Dutton voters in Dixon are extremely rusted on. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, like, mostly still work on his feudal estate as mm. serfs, so <laughs> they kind of have to vote for him or the, he can over-tithe <laughs> them, <laughs> tithe them out of existence. Yeah. Hmm, <laughs> good. Not a conflict of interest there, which is the most important thing. That our government remains honest. 
Uh, let's hear a headline from you, Darcy. This comes from the uh, Herald Sun. Mm. It's by Kerry Robson, who is herself uh, an agricultural uh, agent. And it's called, If Pollies Won't Act on Climate Change, Farmers mm. Will. This is essentially <laughs> a, a, a shit crack, basically. And, and what shit's being cracked about is the fact that farmers are fed up with government inaction on climate change. And it's about time that something was done across parties, bipartisanship to cross parties to make the climate change has got to go away. It's unacceptable that nothing's been done, farmers are saying. The this voting block that's fucking responsible <laughs> for the fact that nothing has been done for 20 years is now <laughs> scolding their feeble bitch parliamentarians about yeah. the fact that they have followed their orders and not done anything for 20 <laughs> years. Fuck off, farmers. Uh, some farmers, yes. No, um, fuck off, farmers. Farmers 201. All right, that's the official podcast stance of weakness for bleakness. Fuck off, farmers. Fucking um, idiots. On the one hand, this is some true through-the-looking-glass horse shit. Right. The, the farmer calling for climate change action in the Herald Sun. <laughs> yeah. From politicians. That is wild <laughs> enough to just be noteworthy as, like, a piece of political curiosity. Yeah. The like, market's not going to fix it. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, if this spells a shift of the farmer class away from their allegiance to... Yeah, it won't, right, though. It yeah. won't. They're going to keep voting national and keep complaining about how increasingly yeah. unfarmable their salinated, dehydrated fucking soil is. Yeah, there I go, being optimistic <laughs> again. I guess what, I'm, what I would hope for in my most optimistic self. So I'm being very generous here and putting 98% of my personality away to just have that little sliver of optimism Yeah, is that this could become one of those regional issues that the nationals use as like a bargaining chip, which still means nothing will be done about it, but at least means the nationals will sort of harp and crow about it in parliament. They'll get their one guy who has a vocabulary of 80 words to get up and be like, Ah, uh, Mr. Speaker, I just want to know what the member for Baldo has to say about the ravages and the farms of... You know, one of those guys. Yeah. Which is basically what Cat has just done with the Royal Banking Commission. He got a little extension for rural stuff. So, my point is, if you can get a couple of those weird, insane, live-wire rural folk to have this as one of their kind of tickets, then maybe, maybe something could be softened up to get a carbon tax that does about one-twelfth of what it should be doing at this point. Yeah, but that's a total waste of time and effort, though. Yeah. It's already it, too late. Yeah, yeah, it is a waste of time and effort, but I would just like vindication. <laughs> I would just like for we'll them to stand up and have to Vindication while their farms are burning and have to be nationalised. That'll be vindication. Yeah. But, um, yeah... <laughs> I just, I just want a vampire to stand up and admit very obliquely through the introduction of toothless legislation <laughs> that they've been wrong for the last fucking three or four decades about this shit. Uh, yeah. The idea that it was like, oh, we've, we've turned a corner, you know, we've decided mm. that maybe the science is right because our farms don't work anymore. 
Mm. It's too fucking late, you stupid Christians. And yeah. another thing. Yes. When is the National Party going to stop being in coalition with the Liberals? Do you think they even realise at this point that it's a choice that they make? Yeah, I'm not they sure. They don't have to do it. It feels disingenuous no for reason. it to be the coalition There's at this point. no fucking reason for the National Party to still be in bed with the Liberals. It yeah. gets, gains them nothing. It also just from- feels kind of fucked up and unfair on a political level, right? That you've got, like, this party, this party, and Well, you, you've got the parties. most popular party in Australia and mm. the other party whose whole purpose is just not letting that party govern, essentially, yeah. 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 I, I always loved it when Tony Abbott was screaming about Julia Gillard's coalition government being illegitimate oh, yeah. because it's a coalition government. It's like your party is literally referred to as the, the coalition, coalition, even yeah. when you're in opposition, you're in government, yeah. you still are referred to as the coalition. You're sitting fucking eight feet away from a dude <laughs> in another party on the same side of the parliamentary <laughs> fucking hall, you dipshit. Oh, God. Mm. Anyway, Mm. fuck you, farmers. Uh, Over to you, Kieran, next headline. (laughs) Stupid fucking farmers. Let's keep keep the rage going. Uh, This is American, but in the way that all the best American (laughs) news has. Their farmers make our farmers look really smart. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. But, uh, yes. Okay, so this has implications. For the Wall Street Journal, Christina Rex Road and Laura Casisto write... No savings? No problem. These companies are helping home buyers with down payments. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. which was put on their was put on their um uh Twitter as like millennials aren't saving enough to afford down payments. No problem. Check it out. Banks now are giving people a second loan technically categorized as a second mortgage in order to <laughs> Before they've made the sale, before they've made the purchase, they get a second mortgage Two to more. pay for the down payment, which then just gets lumped oh, in. Oh, fuck it, duck. That's hilarious. It is just about a decade, <laughs> since just over a decade crisis. since the global financial crisis. And we have publications saying, not even encoded dog whistle bullshit. It's just like ready to repeat the mistakes of the past. Oh, so like it, it was al- already going to be gruesome enough once the fucking hipsters realized that it was the 20s again. That was yeah. going to be awful for me. But there's going to be this slight scintilla of comedy, which is the 20s are going to be the 20s again. It's literally <laughs> the same. The 21st century is the same as the 20th, <laughs> yeah. but even more dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is that, I forget who it was, but- Decade like, for decade. It might have been, it was either Derrida or Zizek, one of those pretentious dudes. And uh, they say things always appear in history twice. First, I think it's Deleuze. First- as, you know, it's real thing, and then second is farce. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. 21st century is just farce 20th century. <laughs> the stakes are higher like and the, the people are dumber. It's the Stallone remake of Get Carter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It is 100%. You killed kill my brother, Frank? Why Get Carter? Why Stallone? I have so <laughs> He's America's Michael Caine. Everyone agrees. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something that I've heard before. <laughs> you agree want, like Harrison Ford or someone doing, getting their filthy paws all over it. <laughs> uh, Margot Martindale. That's who I want to see do a Get Carter remake. 
I'd like to see Tim Curry do it. But I'd like to see Tim Curry remake almost every film, to be honest. Yeah. They wouldn't be very good if he did them that now, though. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) No. You're right. Like, (laughs) 70s. I think you would care. I think it would be a 70s to 90s Tim Curry would be ideal. But I'll still go with what we've got. Stroke-afflicted wheelchair Tim Curry. Yeah. It would be so blatant. Fury Road. Mm. He could Mm. drive. Yeah, he would be fucking fantastic in Fury Road. <laughs> he could play almost any of the characters. Yeah, just you. all of them. <gasps> One man show. One man <laughs> show. One, One man, man show. show. Tim Curry presents <laughs> Fury Road. Is it redone for the stage? I'd hope so. Does he make the little mouth noises for the <laughs> engines of the cars? <laughs> As if he couldn't. Mm. So that's it. That's we're, really we're funny. We're going so, to be repeating history. The global financial crisis is going to happen again, which- uh, <laughs> It's going to be worse because yeah. everyone's going to be double mortgaged. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. a riffer. A little bit more on this <laughs> later. This ties into uh, some stuff that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But yeah, we are fucked we economically. Are, There's just no lessons have been learned. I really- I'm surprised that Trump's presidency is um, turning out so badly. You know, I could- I didn't see this mm. coming at all, Kieran. No, well, I mean, he told everybody that he was going to be the best president ever. Uh, he did. And frankly, I didn't have any reason to disbelieve him. He'd always been um, perfectly honest before. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Who could have seen it coming? Who could have seen it coming? Uh. I'll tell you who saw it coming. Bernard mm. Keane. From yeah. Crikey. Oh, Segway. Segway. Uh leftist grumpy uncle Bernard Keane writes in Crikey, the coming of 5G will expose NBN to financial ruin. Oh, no. We've known for a while that 5G would hurt NBN's second-rate network, but now Telstra has provided figures on just how much damage it will do to NBN's business model. Mm. Uh, Yeah, essentially, NBN... Rock was solid NBN. <laughs> rock solid Never NBN. hit a single snag NBN. <laughs> Still not even half done after yeah. six years. I'm not sure when it NBN. happened, but uh, the rollout date for here, for this house, was quietly changed from 2018 to January to June 2020, sometime yeah. in the last few months. Well, Basically, is the deadline. <laughs> Why? I live in Richmond, and we've just got a notification that mm. someone's going to turn up at some point in the next two months to yeah. make sure we do indeed have a phone line. The so most that's... harrowed man in the world, <laughs> yeah, walking around, beleaguered and unshaven, inspector. <laughs> No, <laughs> and surprisingly, yes, everyone on this street has a phone line. Good, mm, <laughs> another, yeah. another day Good. well spent by me. My name is Mister K. <laughs> <laughs> You're a supporting character in my Kafka novel. Yeah. So essentially, just like quickly broken down, five mm. uh, G will allow people to use their mobile phones as a a highly effective internet access device. Yeah. Which means instead of getting 75% of the market, NBN Co. look like they could only be getting two-thirds of the market. Right. uh, Which will completely destroy their... 10% swing essentially destroys your revenue model. Yeah. Uh, If we had fibre to the premise 
instead of fiber to the node, mm. the 5G network would not be an effective competitor to the fiber optic broadband network. It's yeah. only because the technology goes from 21st century to yeah. 19th century yeah. that it becomes a problem. What a fucking... Who could have seen this coming? Who could have seen this end result uh, when the liberals were pitching their, let's just build 75% of the network uh, and just see what happens? Yeah, well, definitely not the fucking farmers. Because they're morons. Official position. Official position. We don't need the effective internet to compete in the 21st yeah. century agribusiness. <laughs> <coughs> what was that? That was um, my farmer's a stupid voice. Very good. Thank I'll you. be looking forward to hearing more from that character later on. <laughs> oh, there's plenty of rural stupidity to go into, mate. I don't know why they're from East London. You don't get many (laughs) cockney farmers. Yeah. Um, I I just subconsciously chose the wrong accent. Now I'm stuck with it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Can you tell me if there's a difference between fibre to the node and fibre to the curb? Because I've seen this latter term crop up now and I I don't know what it is. That's actually some insidious way of saying (laughs) fibre to the node, but worse. Fibre to the curb means you've got slightly more optical fibre than fibre to the node. Right. But that's largely uh, academic, right? Because if your big yeah, tunnel pretty ends much in complete, a tiny mouse hole, it's it pretty much completely fucking, academic, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a question of how easy you want the system to be to upgrade later. Yeah. In which case, I think fibre to the curb would be a cheaper upgrade down the line than fiber to the node yeah but it would also necessitate more digging or not more digging but more individual discrete sites which seems like it could be a nightmare i don't know man what a shit show the nbn (laughs) should have been a fucking reasonably affordable world-class future-proof internet thing and it still irritates me it still irritates me that we got the shitty Let's fucking cheap out. Yeah, uh, and Turn- Malcolm Turnbull's and- fault, by the way. His yeah. first great act of cowardice and betrayal that everyone was then really surprised when he'd yeah. turn out to be a shit prime minister later on. The world will never need more than fifty <laughs> megabits per second or whatever, and it's like, yeah, God damn it, dude, we definitely do. File sizes increase exponentially. Yeah. And you have industry professionals being like, please, medical imaging would be revolutionized with fucking fiber optic internet. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, at uh, when I had a desk at the uni, uh, they had fiber optic to the premises, obviously, because the uni is going to pay for the fucking for this shit to be lightning quick, insanely fast. Insanely fast internet. I went to speedtest.net to just be like, how fast is this? Because we were having problems here at the time, and it was just, like, way fast, man. Yeah. That's what the website said. Wow. Wow. That's pretty fast. Whoa! Yeah. Wow. It's really good. It's really good when it works and shit, but, of course, we have the shit version, and apparently it doesn't even work yeah. that well a lot. No, it doesn't. And when it's finally... Because inevitably they will have to do fiber to the premises. Yeah. And think of the cost 
Because essentially they'll have to do the mm. project again, basically. Yeah. And it's it, already more expensive than Labor's projections. Yeah. So I mean Labor's projections, let's let's be fair. Would have also they been, would have blown, been out. blown yes. out. But relative to what you get at the end mm. of the project, much better bargain. Especially yeah. when Labor is gonna have to do all this shit all over again. Mm. Um, when the Liberals make the country so dysfunctional it stops working and mm-hmm. Labour have to fucking dig the, dig us out. Yeah. And again, by the way, not not a primary Labour voter. I'm a yeah. I'm a preferential Labour voter, but I'm not yeah. a huge fan of the party. But yeah. fuck, it's so obvious over a scale of time mm. who who should be managing our goddamn infrastructure project. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather have a sort of centre, sometimes vaguely right, sometimes vaguely left government than the fucking merchants guild running this yeah. godforsaken shithole of a country. Yeah, at least at least a, a sort of, you know, corporate managerial structure that tries to balance mm. the demands of various interest groups instead of just picking the least popular <laughs> one in the country and going, they're our boys. <laughs> oh, my God. Sports team loyalty is on every level of this disastrous machine. Yeah, well, there's definitely definitely no accounting for people like making rational choices mm. about who best represents them. Yeah. And yes, I'm saying the public get it wrong. <laughs> of course they do. Are you saying that the democracy was wrong? You mm. know better than the people who... Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhat educated. Democracy uh, is what has brought us to this point, uh, or is part of the machine which has brought us to this point. Also, a fucking profoundly disingenuous politics from the ruling parties that leads to a uh, vested interest in reducing the level of education in the public and uh, political awareness so that the game can be played to ensure jobs with disgustingly high salaries for what they do, disgustingly high benefits for what they do, so that you pay for as a person of the public and the listening. Uh, uh, it's, it's a scam. It's a scam. You're being scammed. Democracy is a scam in the way that it's used here. And who's holding it up all, Kieran? Who's supporting this horrible structure the fucking farmers the farmers the jews of oh my god 21st century australia suicide rates are very high in the country kieran but they are not high enough we hope you've enjoyed weakness for bleakness as you all know this will be our last episode uh (laughs) let's move to topics shall we (laughs) fine (laughs) um all right so a little bit of a general one here from me this week general in some senses very specific in others uh and it's related to this housing uh double mortgage absurdity from the u.s but basically the world is ending and i want to talk uh see what you think about sort of how this impacts things psychologically, how it impacts things politically, whether the attempt to wrest things towards the left is doomed to fail as the world collapses and we all revert uh, revert to more sort of atavistic uh, mindsets. But let me not just catastrophize, because people will always say every generation has thought that they... uh, live at the end of the world and every yeah. generation has been wrong well statistics say that one of no those other generations generation has right. had 
scientific evidence. They've yes. been reading fucking sheep's intestines or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not the same. Trying to interpret <laughs> obscure biblical verses about the Antichrist, which, funnily enough, they've all resolutely refused to do for Trump. It is Come on, weird, where's the it? Trumpist Antichrist movement, you fucking religious wackos? Uh, okay, so there is... There are a couple of things, right? So, um... Let's start with the economic stuff, and then we'll get into the more abstract kind of, like, existential stuff and the environmental stuff and and all of that, right? So, Philip Lowe of the Reserve Bank, (coughs) immediately after Scott Morrison pulled his pants down and tooted his own horn about how great the Liberal Party uh, were going to be at uh, keeping our economy bowling along. So, Philip Lowe uh, came out and released a statement saying that he thought we were fucked Household debt is at 200%. We have all of our money in these high-value assets. Uh, the fact that we have a booming economy, allegedly, but no interest rate rises, is a fucking highly suspect marker. So he thinks, Philip Lowe, who has every reason to kind of blow smoke up your ass in the traditional capitalist way, thinks that we're potentially going to fucking uh, eat it soon, economically. Our old friends at Business Insider uh, published an article called The Supply and Demand Model of Labour Markets is Fundamentally Broken, which is an interesting thing to get from a mainstream publication. Mm. Thank you, 2018. Uh, (laughs) So this states that basically the gig economy is creating this really dangerous, like, simultaneously a dangerous pit and a dangerous smokescreen where it's suppressing wage growth even more than had been previously uh, happening. Uh, People are losing faith in the economy. We've essentially brought socioeconomic mobility to a halt. We've brought career ladders to a halt. We've sold it to kids as fucking freedom, which is bizarre and horseshit. Um... But also, essentially, it diminishes our ability to tell what's going on with unemployment figures because we have high employment, but, like, a huge amount of that employment is underemployment. Underemployment, as a category, doesn't differentiate between somebody who thinks that they should be, you know, a researcher instead of working at some fucking... That's a bad example. Somebody who thinks that they're in the wrong position versus somebody who's like, oh, I have a, you know, law degree from Sri Lanka and I drive Uber and make fucking $2.50 an hour or whatever. Yeah, it doesn't account for people who are not in jobs that are going to give them any sort of economic security. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, we have these kind of murmurings the, if the IMF and the World Bank and the Reserve Bank of Australia are all kind of saying that shit is about to get really bad economically again, uh, that's that's a bad sign that people aren't really cottoning onto yet because we don't have a, a narrative thread to tie it up in, like the global financial crisis. So, combine that with birth rates lowering... Good news that comes out of this. The white race is dying off in the US. Wonderful. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll get an <laughs> Everyone's opportunity. Everyone's least favourite Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the cropland is becoming arid. 
the ocean is becoming acid. Fish populations have degre- decreased by 50% since 1970, I think it was. Uh, the bees are dying. I thought that the bees had problem had been fixed because the 24-hour news cycle told me that it had been fixed. Well, no, because they discovered what the problem was. Mm. But the farmers, who are not, I cannot stress this enough, not killing themselves in sufficient numbers, (laughs) continue to use the fucking insecticides that cause hive colony collapse. Yeah, great. Of course they do, uh, because because we're doomed. Um, If the bees go... (laughs) Estimates say that humanity has maybe four years to live, which I don't know how they reach that number. I'm not endorsing <laughs> it, but that's definitely alarming. Um, so, for a young generation of people who are disallowed from participating in the old economic models of, you know, career, blithely voting conservative mostly being safe at the expense of the rest of the world. So we're not allowed to participate in that anymore. So we have to, from scratch, build and move uh, some sort of progressive uh, economic movement. And all of that with the specter of, like, total global fucking collapse. Yeah, against a backdrop of it being too late. Yeah, it's too late. So we're in a... uh, We've moved from Kafka, though, to Mm. Camus, which is a better direction. Yeah. I'd rather be in a Camus (laughs) book than a Kafka, because at least you know what's happening in Camus. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. At least there's a- There's a chance that you can, like, have some arbitrary dignity Mm. resolution. Yeah, you might be that one guy that fucking gets reunited with his daughter or whatever at the end of the plague. Or doesn't. It's been a long time since I read that book. Uh, But you can can still be noble in the face of the sun exploding. You can build a tower in the desert. You don't just- get forced into the desert and wander upon a tower with Which is doors that teleport you to bureaucratic offices. Essentially, <laughs> like Camus basically was the master of of, of making indignity dignified, right? And yeah. Well, that's Finding that's a way that you can, yeah, as you say, like build a sandcastle and turn it into a, 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 a noble mm. struggle that's not just- some apes trying to distract themselves from the heat death of the universe. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's basically what he says is like, go ahead and distract yourself from the heat death of the universe, but never forget about the heat death of, of the, the universe. universe. Uh, specifically the local sector. Mm. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm more okay with Camus than I was with Kafka. I feel sure. like that's an improvement. You've given me some hope. Yeah. Cool. Is, is that not maybe de- that devolving into a analogy, <laughs> an example of the alluding, mon- like alluding the enormity of this thing that we're talking about, which, according to the philosophy of absurdity, alluding the problem by making a blithe <laughs> comparison between Kafka and Camus is part of the problem. It doesn't consist of a genuine acknowledgement of the absurd. Well, the absurdists will, you know, set these traps for one another. I uh, I don't set very much store in them, Kieran, because mm. I'm not clever enough to escape that particular maze. So if I was to yeah. lend credence to it, and is it important? I would be demoralised and as broken. an absurdist, how is it possibly important to you that other people escape from that maze? Is a good question as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a very good question. So what do we do? 
the world hits population maximum by 2050 yep. to sustain its resources. Temperatures have risen too far. We've already lost Established that. that. They're going to keep going up as mm-hmm. population goes up and resource consumption goes up. Yeah, we have giant uh, displacement and refugee crises. So uh, many deserving refugees. The world. So many white farmers that we need to deal with. <laughs> um, so, other than saying that it's good that we're in a Camus novel and not a Kafka novel, <laughs> which I will grant you. Such a fucking true. sliver of consolation. Yeah. <laughs> At least we might die in a motorbike accident instead of mm. death by bureaucracy. Yes. Yes. Um, but here's the thing, right? Maybe I'm just coming to you for counselling. Oh, Maybe that's fuck. what's happening right now. How? Yeah. How do you maintain... The co-host of Weakness for Bleakness is a great guy to come to for counselling. Absolutely. Hey, man, if, I, if we're capable of, like, choosing the right way to solve these problems, we wouldn't have this pro- uh, podcast right now. Um, in true absurd way, how, how do I keep... How do I keep as a young leftist in the face of defeat? How do I keep that notion that there might be hope alive? Because what I'm interested in here, maybe this is a fucking, maybe this is what it's about, is when the leftist revolution in the United States fizzles and we return. I mean, there isn't a status quo to return to is maybe the main problem here. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's shifted too much, hasn't it? Yeah, we can't go back to... uh, I mean, the status quo that we can return to is like reasonably strong socialist-style policy co-opted by capitalists so that we could have, you know, good wages and shit like that. But it's too far gone for that. So how do you feel about this? Do you have any hope for the future? No. Of course Mm. I don't have any hope for the future. Yeah. That seems reasonable. It is incredibly unlikely, Mm. based on my kind of study of history and my understanding of the current economic and political pressures, Mm. it is possible Mm. that the world will behave in a coordinated and constructive cooperative fashion and Mm -hmm. stave off disaster. It is possible. Yeah. However, yes, it is extremely unlikely mm-hmm. because you would have to somehow get a consensus amongst the people whose genuine belief mm. is that their best interests are not served by facilitating hope, that yeah. they need to change their behaviour. Well, in a sense, they're right as well, which is the, the the scary thing. They're not morally right, but they're absolutely correct that the sane thing or a sane thing for a person in power with money to do at this end times juncture is just to, like, make sure that they and their friends and their family are as, like, wealthy and safe as possible. Yeah. If you want to kind of... Paint, if you're a pa- paint a cunt. picture of that being a sane position to be in in the first place. I think it's a terrible position, but it's not like religious fundamentalist crazy. It's just oh, heartless it's not, and... Well, but it is bonkers as well, because remember, these people mm. are not happy people. Yeah, that's true. Right? And partly one of the things that I find um, 
I guess, mo- most poetic and most funny and, mm. and which really tickles me amongst the hopelessness is that the people who are destroying the planet mm. to feather their beds aren't even remotely grateful for the for the windfalls that they're getting or, or, yeah, or slightly true. happy or satisfied. So everything's being destroyed for <laughs> absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Like, there's no positive outcome. That's mm. kind of funny. It is kind of funny. There's your Camus. That's it. That's that's so what they you needed just, to fold me into that you know, analogy. Not that like wealthy people can be mm. very happy, right? You know. Yeah. But we're talking about people who are worth hundreds of millions and several billions of dollars. We're talking yeah. about that group of people. I don't think any of them enjoy their uh, slice of the pie at all. I think there are some They're fucking neurotics, paranoics, psychos. Yeah. So. I think you might find a couple, but they're usually, like, US Democrats, and they're kind of, like, blithely self-satisfied. And they're like, listen, I've been donating 5% of my income to Ebola research yeah. for the last 40 years, so I think I know a thing or two I guess about there are those. getting things done. And, and there's the insane kind of hangovers of the British aristocracy. Some of them are worth... Mm stratospheric amounts of money they do enjoy it but they're in a very different ballpark oh, to the yeah. rest of the world because they were told like early on that what you're inheriting is essentially a theme park empire, yeah and the theme of this park is dress up in silly clothes and, shoot birds and, and you were cripplingly infantilized by your boarding school which yeah. your, your entire life is just a joyous explosion that you've escaped from the fucking boarding school <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you now have as yeah your own park to run around on mm. yeah that would be great and i can oh, tolerate God. them more because mm. they do take such delight in in their wealth you know yeah and you can you can also never know when they're going to come around and be like just just a just a moment <laughs> seems uh, it seems profoundly strange that we would punish the poor. Let's make a mushroom for every poor person, a magical mushroom that feeds them. And it's like they come via complete insanity these, yeah, to her. They sort of, it's no blessed bleach, isn't it? They're slightly <laughs> worried about the state of their, of their uh, tenants. Yeah. Bill the blacksmith was looking terrible gouty the other day. <laughs> yeah. Made Buy him, a him nice... some golden clothes. <laughs> Sent him to my Chinese herbalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's crazy. They had one of those ladies on one of those hoarding shows where she was not still wealthy, but she was an aristocrat that had in- inherited the stately home and she had to sell it because she was poor. Oh, and so dear. she was on this hoarder show and she was like fucking absolutely nuts she was like unwashed kind of like straggle-haired witch-looking lady who was quite good at her garden and loved her garden but everything else was just fucking insanity there were rooms in this giant stately home that just like had never been entered in the last two decades and she just kind of shuffled around and they had to try and fucking help her and she was the most intractable fucking like dark crystal character or labyrinth character of just like no garbage is mine (laughs) kind of mentality it was fucking (coughs) fully weird i'm seeing a lot of like labyrinth flashbacks yeah yeah so they're good i mean that's good comedy i think 
fundamentally, here's a question for you. Mm. There's no hope. But even though we are the first generation with actual scientific proof mm. that it is finally the end of the world, well, yeah. our universe, yeah. is that, does it fundamentally change the human experience that much? Given that mm. previous generations have all been convinced the world was about to end, they were wrong. Mm. But their conviction was such that it's not really material to their experience, that yeah. they were living under the same impression that we are. That's true. And it was always a pointless shaggy dog story, like human mm. history anyway. So if, yeah. if, if it ends, you know, now or in 10,000 years or a million years, mm. the only difference is just less time spent listening to the shaggy dog story, basically, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's true for the majority of experience for the majority of the time. But here's the thing. The turning point that's being held back from us is when you flip and turn into the person that's like, everybody thinks that they're going to be uh, the last generation. You know, you can't oh, become yeah. that person. No, because there's still anymore. a moral, like compulsion to try and save yeah. the day so that's where it changes superman didn't have existential days where he yeah like, oh, there's always going to be somebody i can't get to what's the point yeah another great impression of thank you very much <laughs> american Fairness, hero superman he can't get his voice wrong because he's not real yes that's true um however I mean, from a personal standpoint, it means that the time in my life where I thought I was going to, like, kind of pack it in and kind of put my morals to one side and maybe have a kid, because I've always kind of broadly maybe wanted to have a kid and kind of just, like, live in a house and be a sort of, like, dying old yeah, person. Safe, that, that's not open nice to me anymore. Story. And now I'm racked with uh, the moral question of whether it's even, like, defensible from an ethical perspective to have a kid, which for which the answer is probably no. Yeah, but not. the answer was always probably no again. Like, yeah, but... The odds are... Just as, just as. That little bundle is going to have a fucking horrible life, whether yeah, yeah, the yeah. world's ending or not. But here's the thing. <clears throat> just as the conviction that the world is ending is the, the thing which makes our experience the same, so too is the conviction that it's fine to have a kid the thing that makes that life work, yeah, okay. if it works. Well, this was my question. Like, yeah, is, is the impending end of the world actually mm. terribly relevant? Because I mean, everybody's fucking nuts in a way that they weren't, though, right? Yeah, I don't... It's making it more interesting making, in some ways. Yeah, like in some ways it is. It feel, but it feels like the writers are trying to amp up a show that yeah. they know is running out of steam. Yeah, Donald Trump was jumping the shark. He's yeah. a fucking season <laughs> nine villain that's just stretching believability. <laughs> this is and like it's kind of like this will be interesting, and you get tired three episodes in. <laughs> Because you could only be like, oh, no, the guys on Lost are worried that there might be another thing on the island. Mm. What does the thing it's, look like? Uh, one of those inflatable, it's like a punching bag, but it bounces back up when oh, you yeah, because it's got sand in the base. They thought it was a monster. It's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fuck. Well, I mean, yeah. All right. Cool, you've salved my aching psyche with your <laughs> blithe nihilism. It's the third or fourth time that I've used the word blithe. Let's switch it up a little bit. All right. Glib nihilism. Uh, all right, what's your topic for this week, then? Well, what have, what's so last, important that you've got for us? Not last week, 
yeah. but the but the last show mm. you did a very nice uh discussion of trickle down economics yeah and i queried you at one point as to whether we were discussing private or public sector debt yes and you said private sector debt i don't know anything about government debt was your exact quote uh no i said i don't know exactly a fucking thing about government this, debt. no we don't use that sort of i've, t- I've decided that with the world ending mm. we, we need to buck up our behavior a bit kieran yeah what are we i'm farmers? not gonna swear at the farmers anymore you okay. know i feel sorry for the farmers it sounds like a considered change must be difficult being so inveterately fucking stupid all the fucking time mm. oh, <laughs> so it didn't last very long i tried you tried and that's the important thing <laughs> just grow your crops and keep your fucking mouth shut now mm. government debt yeah are we going to talk Why about government Why not talk about debt? government debt? <laughs> yeah, the least popular Eric Idle song. Why not talk about government, <laughs> government debt? debt? It could have gone quite well with the accountant's <laughs> uh, shanty. It goes the fucking same as every fucking song that Eric Idle ever did right. <laughs> the same meter and fucking yeah. weird thing. Yeah, anyway. That's why Neil Inns used to collaborate with the Pythons, because mm. he could do different melodies. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, um, and also be patient enough to write songs with Eric Idle all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Which must be torture. I love Eric Idle. Yeah, I don't know. everybody loves... How could anybody mm. with a beating heart not love Eric Idle? But, God, mm. I'm not sure I'd love working with him. Or any mm. of them, actually. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... So, government debt. Government debt's a funny old beast. Mm. Newspapers don't really explain it, I suspect, because journalists possibly don't understand it. Yes. Certainly, parliamentarians don't understand it. Mm-hmm. There are essentially two kinds of government debt, right? which is debt incurred by governments that have monetary sovereignty yep, and debts incurred by governments that do not have monetary sovereignty. Right. Which means that there's only one type of government debt in each country, right? What do you mean- <laughs> Well- Borrowing from. See, this is well. the this is the interesting point. All right. So, government debt incurred by governments that are monetarily sovereign is a misnomer, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't actual they they have the legislative control of a fiat currency, mm-hmm. so they don't go into debt in the conventional sense. Yeah. Uh, so Australia's federal government versus state government. The states. Uh, have the similar balance books to like a large corporation say yeah right they need revenue to fund their services sure federal government doesn't because the australian dollar is essentially at its beck and call it can create or destroy as much of it as it wishes to Mm -hmm. so there's no when people talk about government debt and debt to gdp yeah. They're not actually talking about money that the federal government is going to struggle to repay to people. Mm. They're talking about <clears throat> usually state government debt, which the federal government can bail out any time it really wishes to, yeah. or private debt. So this is why when you start to dig into uh, <clears throat> global statistics and like global macroeconomic stuff and you see that like every country on earth has like 200 percent debt something that should be mathematically impossible yeah so essentially it's because we're using an out of date well not an out of date but we're using the wrong accountancy technique Mm. we're using the same accountancy techniques for 
organizations that do not control their own currency as we are for organizations that do control their own currency, which doesn't make sense. So when you see Japan's got, you know, a debt of 180 times GDP, Mm. that just means that the Japanese government has introduced money into the Japanese economy worth 180 times its current GDP. Yeah. Not 180 times, worth I mean, 180% of its current GDP. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> along with it, because if you're going to set a crazy ultra-debt dystopia right. anywhere, it's going to be Japan. Yeah, basically. So what, what mm. this effectively means is that the government, the federal, the state government, mm. the national government, not the state government, can effectively afford to fund its services fully. Yeah. The only limit to its power to spend is people's faith in the currency. So mm. you often get hyperinflation brought up as the anti-government spending argument. Yeah. Which is interesting because hyperinflation has occurred basically twice in history in mm. Germany and Zimbabwe. And in both of those times, it's because government spending was completely out of sync with the productive capacity of those countries. Yeah. Right. Because Germany had to pay off debts after all its factories were closed. And because Robert Mugabe decided, understandably, that he had to kill all the farmers. Um, <laughs> but but had failed to set up any kind of agricultural fail-safes or fallback mm. systems. So when Zimbabwe stopped producing food, he had to... Well, he tried to spend his way out of it. Yeah. Right. And so... While government can be a loss leader, they mm. can still destroy the value of their currency if they mass print it to plug a bottomless pit. Sure. Like Germany's war debts or like Zimbabwe's failed agricultural sector. However, when we talk about, for example, funding an adequate welfare system in Australia, that's not exactly... No, that's literally just Mm. the government introducing money into the economy in a very healthy and productive way. Mm -hmm. Governments should run a deficit Mm. if they have monetary sovereignty, because all that means is that they are introducing wealth into the economy. Mm. Government is effectively the actual wealth creator, because it's, you know, it's their money. Yeah. Ultimately. Sure. And you want... You need to have money flowing out of that. An analogy here, I'm assuming, would be uh, adequate or appropriate is if you have a reservoir full of water and 20 thirsty people, it's good to have water flowing out of that reservoir because people need to drink fucking water to survive. That's right. right. Yeah. So when a government runs at a surplus, and you can see the consequences of it in Australia, Mm. when the government decides, oh, we're going to run at a surplus, you tend to get financial... Uh, You tend to get recessions, Mm -hmm. at the very least, uh, or economic plateaus when governments decide to run surpluses, because that means they are destroying more wealth than they are creating. That's what a surplus is. Yeah. Um, And there's really no (laughs) reason to do that, other than you've got an electorate that you haven't educated about what money is and how it works. Yeah, you sell them the... If you've got a household... Yeah, yeah, if, if you're financial situation is so far alien to our own Mm. that no comparison will bear scrutiny Mm. by all means (laughs) (laughs) let's let's run with this analogy Mm. um yeah taxation is important still because taxation destroys unnecessary wealth 
which reinforces the value of the remaining currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also helps fight inequality. Yep. And reduce inflation and all these things. But mm-hmm. taxation is not necessary for revenue if you've got a fiat currency with a monetarily sovereign government. You're blowing my mind. Because it's not the Middle Ages and the king doesn't need to physically collect fucking coins to redistribute them. Gold pieces. Uh, I am assuming without knowing anything that such a system might be more difficult to keep on the level than one with a robust taxation system. Um, Off base with that. Because, well, again, don't know a fucking thing. Do you mean, like, if you were to eliminate tax? Yeah. Well, what if you were to eliminate tax, firstly, you would still have wealth accumulators creating social inequality. Yeah. Um, you would get potentially dangerous inflation that mm. would destroy the value of the currency. So, interestingly, a potential risk is gross inflation. Potentially. Yeah. Potentially, so government f- spending can still knacker. It's the the make the yeah sure. But you're saying in a right wing utopia where taxation was abolished, that one of the risks would be hyperinflation at its extremes. Um, or potentially assuming that, that they still yeah. wanted government services. And yeah, things. I just want that disingenuous talking point yeah. to bring up in some drunk argument at a pub. To be like, you want to get rid of taxation? You're the inflation monster. I'm not the inflation monster. You know, when you get dragged oh, yeah. into those arguments where you Look, just lose touch of the actual goal. If you've got... Well, actually, if you've got interest rates mm. uh, and no tax, then, yeah, eventually, because of the power of exponential mathematics, mm. eventually just the wealthy people's bank accounts would destroy the value of their own yes. currency. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's that's a funny thought. Mm. Um, <clears throat> you accumulate yourself out of wealth. <laughs> yeah, maths is fun. I, I quite like maths. I, it's a shame none I of our don't. parliamentarians fucking understand it. Yes, <sighs> I'm so this is a really bad mood. I'm actually feeling quite jolly, but also really angry at the same time. And yeah, I, it's it's a mood that only farmers can put me into. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, farmers. Get it together, farmers. Am I being any any sense helpful or coherent on this subject, Kieran? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, uh, the only- it all makes sense. It all makes sense. Here's the thing that makes it sort of concrete and relevant, right, is in the uh, last change of government, a key sort of idea that the libs ran on was that they were going to bring Australia to a surplus and that's all that idiots could talk about yeah well the surplus is very important to the LNP's voting Mm. base of course and to too much of Labor's voting base as well yeah of course they've accomplished just the opposite they've you know ended up with more of a deficit than uh, their most scaremongering uh, projections about Labor but This is where this difficult economic shit that mostly makes me glaze over is interesting because the reason that they were able to get away with that absurd election uh, promise and have that be something that resonated with people was because people fundamentally don't understand that this is the case, that federal uh, debt does not function like household debt and federal budgeting does not function like household budget. That's right. And it doesn't function like state government 
mm. or local council funding you know they are their own they are literally mm. the well from which the money flows yeah. they don't need to earn it in the same way that they don't need to like make the law out of anything you know? yeah yeah we would love to pass some more legislation, yeah. but we don't have the resources. Yeah. All of the law bucks. Labor spent all of the law bucks. All of those action points gone. We have to wait till the next turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, that's good. That's interesting. That's a valuable piece of... Uh, it's it's pretty simple, but but it, it's it's really important because mm. un until the electorate understand that the government will always be able to cheat them with this deprivation, yeah, um, lie basically. Mm. It also means that like uh, instituting a lot of the things that people keep harping on about as too costly uh, is, in a real sense, right? a relatively trivial. We built the shrine of remembrance during mm. the second world war yeah. we could afford to do that yeah clement attlee in the uk built the fucking nhs mm. after the second world war when britain was more bankrupt than it had been since the middle ages sure and um roosevelt's new deal came when the american government was more cash strapped than it had been since the american civil war yeah um it's a complete lie to say that as long as the productive capacity exists or is close enough to existing in the country mm. in which you're operating, then the government can afford to spend the money. Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe a positive thread to draw out of that little list of examples is that we too, soon enough, may be in these fucking massive financial doldrums in the Western world. So maybe we'll get the equivalent of the... NHS, UK's contribution, or the New Deal, uh, the US's contribution, or very tellingly, the Shrine of Remembrance, Australia's yeah, contribution. Which is now brought to, to you by um, the Australian Gaslight Company. Did you know that? <laughs> I did The not. Eternal but Flame. Fucking Australia. The Eternal that? Flame mm. is now sponsored by Fuck AGL. Off. Yeah. The AGL Eternal <laughs> Flame. Go fuck yourself. Australia loves that. Everything is wow. fucking sponsored. Australia's aristocracy love it. I don't yeah. know. If, I don't <laughs> oh, people buy into it. Like, yeah, I'm going down to Etihad Stadium. And I guess I was the only person. Like, me and Dad were the only ones surprised at the rugby one year when it was apparently Qantas versus Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, did Qantas win that one? Qantas won by a pretty thumping margin. Yeah, uh, yeah. Good job, Qantas. We love our boys in Qantas. And those naming rights, by the way, mm. less than 1% of um, most <coughs> naming rights mm. fees. Oh, sorry, m most naming rights are worth less than 1% of any given organization's operating budget. So right. all of these things that are the Qantas Wallabies or Etihad Stadium or mm. what have you, the AGL Eternal Flame are still mostly paid for by taxpayers. Oh, yeah, <laughs> fucking, of course they are. All right, well, uh, if you donate to our PayPal, we'll see if we can get the weakness for bleakness Parliament House. Or even coffee mug. Yeah. Actually, I could do with a hand warmer. Let's start with a hand warmer and move All right. up from there. All right, traditional merch structure it is. <laughs> anyway, do you have anything to add to the government debt? Uh um, not Sweet. a huge amount, because the, the mm. consequences of it are all pretty logical. Yeah. 
if the government funds services properly, the economy is healthy. If it doesn't, then the economy is not. Yeah, sure. That's another one of our little tiny primer series. Yeah, tiny primers. <laughs> tiny primers. All right. Well, tiny I guess that's primers. it. That's the that's the the show. This has been a really weak and bleak episode for me. I'm sorry I've been in such a bad mood about the stupid fucking farmers. No, that's all right. I've been I've been feeling similarly a bit of low energy. Maybe uh, researching the enormity of our existential <laughs> problem wasn't a good idea. <laughs> Before a light entertainment. We're gonna die.